Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. It's Matt again. We will get to this week's episode of Broadway Breakdown in just a moment, but per usual, I just want to take a second to inform and acknowledge a few different ways that we can be supportive and encourage uh, many endeavors this week in our community during this time. First and foremost, believe it or not, the police officers who murdered Breonna Taylor have still not been arrested. Ugh. So, if you look inside the description page for this episode, you will see the email addresses of the three men that I listed last time. Attorney General Daniel Cameron, Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher, and Police Chief Robert Schroeder. Email them and demand justice for Breonna Taylor. Get to Steppen. Next up, I have two theatrical works this week that I would like everyone to take a moment to look into. One is the 1978 uh, Broadway review Ain't Misbehavin'. It won the Best Musical Tony Award that year and has a phenomenal cast of five performers, Nell Carter, Ken Page, Andre DeShields, yes, Hadestown Andre DeShields, uh, Armelia McQueen, and Charlene Woodard. Some of you might even know Charlene Woodard from the TV show Pose. And it is a collection of the works of Fats Waller, who was a very prominent, very talented jazz musician and comedic entertainer in the 1930s. He has a phenomenal collection of songs. The review itself is a total blast, and it's a beautiful celebration of the talents and the works of Black artists. After that is the play The Colored Museum by uh, George C. Wolfe. It is a play that launched his career in the 1980s. I believe it came out in 1986 uh, and premiered at the Public Theater. There is a movie version of both Amos Behaven and of The Colored Museum on YouTube. And I recommend that you go on YouTube and you find both of them and take a moment to just really uh, watch them, take them in. Uh, The George C. Wolfe play is a collection of sketches that go from slavery to 1980s, at that time, modern day, representing and embodying the black experience in a multitude of ways. And it is, it can, it's equally hilarious, insightful, hard to watch and moving, and is also just another example of uh, the excellence of black artistry. And that is all I really have to say beyond that. I don't want to give too much away. I want you all to take in those works on their own merit. Don't take my word for it. Just, you know, take my cue. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, with that in mind, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Broadway Breakdown. Hello, everyone out there in the iTunes soundcloud spotify stratosphere i hope that my voice is coming in clearly um welcome to another episode of broadway breakdown my obsession i am your host for this subset matt Koplick. with me is a disney english uh huey lewis in the news-esque baby Yes, she's been in Kinky Boots, Frozen, uh, multiple workshops of, what's the name of the show? The Heart of Rock and Roll. Heart of Rock and Roll. <laughs> it's of rock and still roll. beating. It's still beating, bitch. Um, but fun <laughs> fact, I've known her for quite a long time, and I've seen her guzzle olive oil. Please welcome to the podcast, Lauren Nicole Chapman. Hi, that's true. You have seen me guzzle olive oil. I have. Um, have you seen me eat, eat a clove of garlic too? No, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> You're basically garlic bread at this point. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, we love an Italian-themed food. We love an Italian-themed food. We love carbs. Uh, how are you today, Lauren? I'm so good. How are Under- you? I'm good. Uh, it is typical. If So we'll see what happens with the audio on this. It might turn out shitty and we have to do it again, which would honestly be 
par for the course for us. It has taken like the better part of a year and a half to get Lauren on this podcast. She is. It is true. She is more in demand than Patty Lapone. She is more booked and blessed <laughs> than Laura Benanti. Um, oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's the secret. Everyone thinks that like Sutton Foster is like the queen of Broadway. It's actually Laura Nicole Chapman because she's always working. Wow, that is some high praise. I uh, appreciate. I didn't, that. I, didn't, I didn't say it was praise. It's just fact, oh, bitch. That's true. <laughs> working but that's great you're very you're very talented so we we appreciate that um i'm catching lauren in her childhood bedroom oh yes i am (laughs) i am coming to you hot from the suburbs of michigan where my bedroom has not changed for (laughs) quite some time Uh, so let me tell you what i'm seeing besides like the beauty (laughs) that is lauren nicole chapman in a striped t-shirt there is a nut there's a poster for the nutcracker but the image on the poster is like a, a baby girl yeah. in a tutu. Hold Correct. It. It, you know what it looks like? It, it looks like an, an 80s ad campaign for Johnson & Johnson. That's what it looks like. That's very real. And honestly, I'm a full-grown adult with like a picture of a toddler on my, on my wall right now. I'm holding I'm, a nutcracker. Which, so you understudied the ingenue in both Kinky Boots and in Frozen. You're personally responsible for me seeing Kinky Boots four times. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners about how you got yourself uh, the boots of Kinky? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, when I moved to the city, I didn't have a certain, an EMC point to my name. I had nothing. I had no agent, no nothing. Um, And so I think you remember this, like we were just tag teaming, you know, my friend Caitlin and I, you and I went to a few auditions together. We were getting up at, you know, the ass crack of dawn, Mm -hmm. uh, like you do, and just signing up on the non-equity list, just hoping that we would possibly get seen. So we'd sign up at like 5 a.m. and then wait like sort of all day. Mm -hmm. Um, And miraculously, my friend Caitlin and I were the only two non-ec girls um, the day of the Kinky Boots EPA. And then what they, is an EPA for some of our babies? EPA is for, uh, is an equity principal audition. It's sort of like a, um, it's not a chorus call, but it's for the, the roles in the musicals. And yeah. what happens is like, if you're part of the union, you get seen a little bit sooner. If you mm-hmm. are not part of the union, which we were not, um, it takes a little bit more time and patience. Um, yes. because and, they have to go through everyone in the union first, and then they have to go through people who have what are called EMC points, which means right. like you are becoming eligible to become a member. And then after they go through everyone, if they, if they have time, they go through non-equity people. Right. So just as, as, as Caitlin and I were called as the only two non-ec girls there that day, um, they cut off seeing non-ec because they were starting to get backed up with, Mm -hmm. um, people that were in the union. That being said, they said, all right, well, we'll see you two, but you need to sing eight bars, um, cut. And so for me, you know, I, I just cut my song in the middle of a word. I was like, this is eight bars. There you go. It's eight bars. It's eight bars. And I sang, uh, I sang Call Me by Blondie. I sang it like six keys up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you were and in for Chelsea, so you're like, I have to go up five octaves. I was like, let's, you know, what's higher than a Stephen Ramis show? Not many things. <laughs> so let's go. So I said, I raised that key and I said, let's go. Eight bars. Stopped in the middle of a word because I wanted to, you know, I'm a rule follower. Yeah. So there you go. And uh, they said, okay, Lauren, thank you so much. <laughs> I said, see you later. Yeah. And I got an email uh, a few months later, um, again, did not have an agent. And they said, hey, will you come in for the tour of Kinky Boots? And I said, oh my gosh, wow. Like I'm actually gonna get seen. This is amazing. First like real appointment in the city. And I go in and within 24 hours, it becomes for an immediate replacement in the Broadway company of Kinky Boots. So I, I'm thinking I'm going in for the tour, um, would thr- be thrilled to, to be touring. And then within 24 hours, they basically go, you have a final callback with Jerry uh, for taping for Jerry Mitchell and you will have a coaching beforehand and then you will be finished and we will let you know. And so within essentially 48 hours of going in for that, uh, emailed callback that I received, I got the news that I was making my Broadway debut at 22 
in Kinky Boots on Broadway and uh, about lost my mind. <laughs> and we, we have hated her ever since. Uh, ah! <laughs> well, so the reason why your story is also like kind of uh, urban legend now is... Right. Like, it's, I, I don't know how to explain to people who listen to this podcast who aren't in the theater world. It is so very rare to get cast in a Broadway show when you are non-equity and you just like go in for an EPA mm-hmm. or an equity chorus call. Because usually they are mandatory they 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 do them like once or twice a year for most run, long-running shows um any new show that's coming out any tour like they do it first off before they do like regular appointments and whatnot um and you know a lot of people kind of go to them knowing they may not get cast and that's equity people let alone non-equity people uh if you uh you know get seen at all so for lauren nicole chapman to walk in the door <laughs> And then make Broadway. It's why 9,000 non-EC kids go to equity calls now. Because they're like, well, I could be like Lauren Nicole Chapman. Man, was I lucky for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, it was definitely right place, right time. Also, sorry, I'm moving because, well, I mean, if the audio comes out okay, this will all just be a very funny story. If it comes out poorly, oh God, will we have to like roll our eyes and do it again. But if it comes out okay... Uh, I am moving locations to make sure that like my Wi-Fi is good and that my audio is not terrible. Um, so I want everyone to know all the hardships that go behind the scenes of this podcast. But it also <laughs> wouldn't, it be bro- it wouldn't be Broadway Breakdown if uh, there weren't some technical difficulties. Okay. Um, so before the world turned upside down, you were in Frozen the Musicale. I uh, sure was. Yes, you sure were. Uh, <laughs> and you were in it like from pretty early on in stages, like you had done the workshop of it before I went out of town, yes? Right, right. Uh, I think I started, it was 2017, I believe. So, yeah, 2016? So you for the long, t- long game. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so workshop, out of town, Broadway. Yes. What, what is one of your main takeaways from the experience in terms of like the overall uh, journey with it? I think uh, my, before Frozen happened, I sort of like put it out into the universe, so to speak of, I was like, I really want to work on something from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And I really want to see like how it changes and how it ebbs and flows from developmental to the very end. Now we didn't know that the end would be Corona, but I did just that. I I was there from the beginning to the end. So it is kind of interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one of my main takeaways was like, uh, I was, I started in the ensemble and I understudied Princess Anna and I have never really bit my teeth into a role like quite that large, Mm -hmm. um, both physically and emotionally and vocally. Um, What Patty Murin did nightly was pretty much uh, magic to watch um, because she just always had so much energy and it took so much. And I think like the biggest takeaway for me was learning how to, A, actually bring myself to a role that's not too far away from my own personality and to also be able to sustain through an entire show, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, because then I went on to move, um, just before we shut down, I had moved to just the Anna standby mm-hmm. um, position. Um, so I was just going to be covering Anna and not on stage nightly. So I think that was my biggest takeaway. Um, and also I think, you know, being there from the beginning, just seeing how each piece actually fit together mm-hmm. um, and how much it was influenced by our own personalities and our own um, strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really interesting as well to see, you know, Rob Ashford uh, and uh, Sarah Glebe and Charlie Williams, like, you know, crafting this storytelling device you know, using our strengths as a cast and bringing us all in in different ways. And um, it was really, really interesting to watch. And uh, so that's another thing I took away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, so now we'll get a little more shallow. What sure. is one of your favorite, <laughs> what is, what was one of your more favorite outfits to wear in the show? Oh, Gorge. Um, Either Anna or Ensemble. Cause you had some good ass ensemble clothes. 
I sure did. I really did. Um, my ensemble, I think, I think it must've been my ball gown. Those were really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I I sort of felt like I was like a stepsister in Cinderella and I sort of like (laughs) that sort of influenced my, uh, ensemble character. Uh, my favorite outfit to wear as Anna was definitely the coronation dress. Mm. Um, but that thing weighs over 20 pounds. Yeah. So that was a learning curve as well because there's a big dance number and I was like, I got to manipulate this dress somehow, but it was also just gorgeous. I mean, it was just like corset, the whole Mm -hmm. thing. It really like you put it on and you were like, I am a princess. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, So that was my favorite. Yeah. That I just realized like the way that that show is sort of built for the role of Anna anyway, like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's a marathon in general, but like, they really kind of make you go through a sprint for the first 30 minutes and then, and like, then sure, like it calms down a little bit, but it's like, you've just spent so much energy because you have to go right out of the gate and for the first time in forever, you then do love as an open door. You have to do, what do you know about love? And I'm like, geez. And for somebody, well, and for somebody who does still get quite nervous, Mm -hmm. it, there's no room for that. And so I had to like, really like, I'd be under the covers Mm -hmm. getting ready to come on for first time in forever. And I had just run around quick change, got a new wig on and got under the covers to come on in the bed. Mm -hmm. And I had to remind myself to like, breathe in, breathe Mm. out. Because if I didn't, I was a wreck. Like it was truly shot out of a cannon in all senses of the phrase. Yes. And that is a weird uh, kind of double-sidedness as an actor you have to have like you have to be present in order Mm -hmm. to like do the job and not you know get killed by scenery but also like maintain the energy be in the moment it's totally yeah it's all it's all a lot uh is are there any super major the show must go on stories like moments when like just it almost looked like the shit hit the fan that day and you just kind of had to keep going um i have one from kinky boots for sure i got to the top of the platform for with charlie price and i it was my first like thing that lauren really says mm-hmm. and she has this big monologue over at the wickham factory they noted a lack of all weather hiking shoes i got up there and i fully went to the white room couldn't could not i i thought in my head that i was speaking a different language like truly yeah. um and the charlie is just looking at me like you're in a spotlight. I don't know how to help you. And you aren't making sense. Like, and the thing, the thing about that, like moment is that she is in a spotlight. She's at the top of this huge platform. Mm-hmm. All the angels are underneath, right. Mm-hmm. Waiting to come out for Lola. And I am up there like, <laughs> like, and I'm not forwarding the story along at all. No. I haven't really said anything that makes sense. And I just go, they don't sit up here whining. And I left. And I went down the platform and all the angels were like, you're a good girl. It's okay. You're a good girl. It's all right. Because <gasps> I was like, I just fully think I blacked out. Like what just happened to me? Girl, and it happened. once you're there, you're like, okay. I mean, it's not as scary as you think it is. And you think it goes on for 30 minutes, but really it's like two minutes. Yeah. It's, That's it's, a long time to, to blank. It's a, And also like, <laughs> from what I remember, isn't that like this, the speech he gives that kind of goes into the whole niche market? added oh it's it's like the reason the musical exists like (laughs) sort of like it's it gets across a lot of information Mm -hmm. um and so i got no information across but you know what broadway still happened and uh (laughs) now it's just guys (laughs) now it's coronavirus nobody nobody, yeah coronavirus hit because lauren nicole chapman went up on her line that one night at kinky boots and mother earth said you're not allowed to have broadway anymore So we're really here, guys, because Lauren has an obsession to tell us about. Lauren, what is your obsession today? My obsession is the revival of Sweet Charity. Starring who? Starring Christina Christina Applegate herself. Okay. Samantha who herself. Okay. Um, star of Dead to Me. and Oh, I, we need to talk about Dead to Me, but... I could talk about Dead to Me. Also, wait, side note we will get to your obsession have you watched the babysitters club on netflix no but it's on my it's on my list Girl, i added it to my list added to that list you, you'll say you're just gonna watch like the first episode or two you you'll binge all of it it is 
it's gay rights. The show is gay rights. That is all you need to know. Oh, perfect. Yes. And I say well, that. Then it's required time. viewing, huh? Absolutely. All right. Um, Marianne on the show is a gay icon. She defends her charge, uh, her ward, uh, who is, uh, we find out is trans because they're at the hospital and the doctor like is misgendering the child. Marion oh takes gosh. him outside and reads him for filth. And I was like, yes, bitch. Yes. And she's like 11. <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh. Come through 11. Come through 11. Um, <laughs> so Lauren, you did you see this revival of Sweet Charity when it was I on Broadway? I did. I did. Uh, this was one of my first Broadway shows. I was kind of late to the game in mm-hmm. terms of like seeing Broadway um, I saw a lot of things that would come through Michigan growing up, but I had never, like, tours, mm-hmm. but I had never seen, like, I hadn't seen a lot on Broadway. So my mom took me to see Sweet Charity. Were you familiar with the show before you had seen it? Not at all, to be honest. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. And then I went back after and was like, okay, wait, this is pretty, this is, like, very fierce. Yes. Um, and, and I did my proper research, for sure. But uh, I played that CD... Uh, from the revival, mm-hmm. like in the car, pretty much nonstop. It was uh, the Tarzan uh, soundtrack. Uh, there was a uh, Spring Awakening soundtrack, and there was Susicle, and there was Sweet Charity. Those that was the Rolodex in the car. That's, I mean, that's that's pretty. Uh, there, I would say they're all eclectic. I would say, I would say it's eclectic <laughs> and yet not at the same time. You know, right. it's like um, if it, you know me, you know it's very, very on brand. <laughs> absolutely, it's like a character actress in multiple wigs. It's like yes, it's versatile, but it's still the same woman. Right. Um, and but I do have a cool story though. Uh, Sweet Charity on Broadway. Uh, I waited after the show at the stage door, like any. Uh, you know, sweet middle schooler would do mm-hmm. or anybody. Right. And I was like, I have to meet Christina Applegate. Like, meet her. And I did, I stayed there until everyone came out. And I was like, I was like, is she coming out still? You know, I was waiting mm-hmm. and she came out. She was lovely. First of all, she signed my thing. She had just broken her ankle. Like, I don't know, like weeks right. prior and was like, I just was like, you're so fabulous. And then almost 10 years to the month, I made my Broadway debut in the same theater. Yes, you did. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up, but I was hoping you would do it. So thank you for <laughs> thank You're you welcome. for reading the room. Thank you for reading the room. Yeah, that was the whole tea with that revival. Um, because you were later to the game than I was, which goes to show <laughs> everyone out there, it doesn't matter when you start, uh, you can still make it on the Broadway. She so they had done like a uh, an out of town tryout like tour. Uh, right. They went to like I think Minneapolis first and then and then went to Boston and she had broken her ankle and they were like fuck what do we do and mm-hmm. so first they were gonna bring it to New York with Charlotte Demoise and then they're like psych we realized that like most of America knows who Christina Applegate is only like select people in New York know who Charlotte Demoise is so they were gonna cancel it and then Christina Applegate was like no 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 I will put on ankle boots and we will work this out so Despite what anyone thinks of the revival, I always thought that was a baller move. I've always uh, appreciated her for that. I never saw the revival, so I I won't give an opinion on it. I could, but I won't. Um, (laughs) I also have to give a shout out to uh, my girl, Nina LaFarga, who was also in Frozen with me. Mm -hmm. She was in that revival, like dancing her little patootie off in the frug. And she is fully a legend. If you don't know who she is, we got to look her up. If you don't know, now you know. You know who's now also you know. in that revival? Speaking speaking of Susicle, <laughs> Gertrude McFuzz. Yes, she is. Yes, she was one. She was one of the two best friends, uh, Nikki or uh, Hel- Helena. Helena. Yes, 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 yes. I always thought it was Helene, but because it's an E. Helene. No, it is Helene. You're right. Oh, Hel- sorry. Well, no, no, no. well, sorry. That wasn't me trying to uh, come for you. I, 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 I legitimately thought it was Helena when you said Helena. You can come for me. I always do, but not at this moment. Uh, so you see the show just right. like wrapped up in magic the entire time, right. I'm assuming. Yeah, I was fully just like astonished. I just loved it so much. I thought Dennis O'Hare um, played <laughs> played opposite. And I've become just the biggest Dennis, o- Dennis O'Hare fan. Mm-hmm. Um, like watch him in American Horror Story, like watch him and like, he's just like such a versatile actor, but yet he like has 
like his own tone for everything. Um, yeah, I just loved it. I think like I grew up dancing so much that it was just to see it married on stage the way it is in Sweet Charity was Mm -hmm. just like so special to me. And then like, you know, where am I going? Like still to this day, I'm like, oh, just hit me right in the heart. Why don't you, you know? Yeah, Sweet Charity has a lot of good stuff going on with it. That also, um, they have, so like Sweet Charity, I mean, you said you did your research, so I, you can take the floor at any given moment. But oh <laughs> uh, the show itself is based off of a Fellini film from the 60s called, or 50s mm-hmm. maybe, called Knights of Cabiria. She's mm-hmm. an Italian prostitute. And like, it's, it's funny, but it's also kind of devastating because like she believes in love, even though like the world is so awful to her. Mm-hmm. And the movie, the original movie ends with like the guy she intends to run away with, the Dennis O'Hare part, basically like abandoning her because he realizes she's a prostitute and like can't be with her, but she's still optimistic. And the show has always kind of, the show has always kind of struggled with that tone because it's trying to be this big, broad musical comedy, but it has such a devastating ending. Really? Um, It does. (laughs) And so like the Christina Applegate revival, uh, I remember they reworked it in a way. So it was more like positive. Um, Do you remember much about it? Because I didn't see it. I just remember reading about it a lot. Yeah, it was, it was definitely more positive. Um, but I feel like in that too, like the moments where like she sings, like, where am I going? And like the mm-hmm. ending, it was like so much, I was like gutted as a, as a middle schooler who was like, didn't know much about like even love, but like sure. my like tiny knowledge of like what love might be was like shattered by Christina Applegate singing I mean- that. I was I was so devastated when I saw Susical and it looked like JoJo don't might even... die. I was like, okay, don't. <laughs> I, I was like, don't oh even come God. for JoJo like that. I'm not, I, yeah, I was like, how dare you? This show is so dark and deep. <laughs> I yeah. love that we're like casually going through my like CD Rolodex like just on a oh, whim here. Oh, absolutely. We could we could do this to the day. What we can die. we say about Tarzan? <laughs> I, I mean, I saw it. What do you want me to say? <laughs> No, just the soundtrack. It's like, it's heart-wrenching. I mean, I haven't... TBH... To the movie. To the movie. Okay. Okay. So, because you say soundtrack, and I was like, does she mean the soundtrack for Tarzan the movie, or does she mean the cast recording? Um, I'm talking like NSYNC, Trash in the Camp. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Um, Because I saw the show, and I don't listen to the cast recording, but I do listen to that movie soundtrack from time to time. Uh, because it's phil collins and phil collins it's good driving music it's very driven i want to know can you show me can you though i want to know about these strangers like me phil collins will show you When you think back on that show from of that production specifically, are there any like stage pictures that are burned in your brain? Because I know when I saw shows as a kid, I have certain images burned in my brain from some of them. I mean, I remember being so like sitting back in my seat, like, oh my gosh, watching mm-hmm. the Frug. Like yeah. I was like, first of all, I was kind of like, what's happening? But also I was like, this is fierce. Yeah. And so that was one of them. And then the other one was just like, Dennis O'Hare and Christina Applegate sitting on a, a simple park bench. Yeah, that's 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 the Broadway musical for you. It can be a big old Pretty fruit, large. or it could be a park bench. Um, <laughs> and what's interesting is because this was your exposure to it, you did not know anything about the Fosse stuff, so you didn't have like that preconceived idea of Sweet Charity. Going. No, yeah, I mean, I obviously I knew about Bob Fosse choreography. I knew like other works that he had done, but I, it, yeah, it wasn't at the forefront of my brain while I was mm-hmm. watching it. So it really was like a fresh take for me uh, watching the revival and just, it just really worked for me. That's yeah. all I can say. What was the research you did after you saw it? Cause you talked about like you did your proper research. I want, like, what, did you watch the movie afterwards? Did you? I did. I went okay. back and watched the movie. Um, obviously I went on Wikipedia like any 12 year old would mm-hmm. um, because you know, we were limited in our resources back then. Absolutely. You took it at face value. I did. YouTube, and I was like, this is it. <laughs> YouTube wasn't really 
a thing at that point or like if it if it was it was sort of in its infancy so it wasn't like you could watch movie clips yet it was no it was definitely like my research back then like was like if there was a movie like i was watching the movie Mm -hmm. and then i was listening to anything i could get my hands on and then Mm -hmm. that was pretty much the extent of it at the time um and now of course like watching um michelle uh williams uh in Fosse Verdon. Uh, that was just like amazing to watch as well because we mm-hmm. just have so much more knowledge now about mm-hmm. Bob Fosse, his life, about how Sweet Charity even came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think like I've my obsession has continued throughout mm-hmm. the years, yeah. um, but well, it started with a up. simple Wikipedia search. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What are your so What are your favorite songs from the show then? Where am I going? Mm-hmm. Um, for sure uh i'm a brass band which one is Uh that one yeah yeah um that Uh was really cute because it was just like oh that one i loved because obviously the whole marching band comes on stage and it's Mm -hmm. just like a big production number i love that there's got to be something better than this always Uh, such a bop classic um and maybe um baby dream your dream did that happen before or after you sang it Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to come, we're going to put it in now. We're going to come back to it. Um, right. <laughs> but was that a, was that a song you enjoyed before you had done it yourself? No. Okay. So that You're comes right. from experience. Yes. Um, but yes. that happens sometimes. Uh, yeah. Like you maybe like a song you didn't, care for a scene you never really thought about until you do the show whether it's your scene or not and then you're like oh right. wow yeah right um, yeah like when we did man of la mancha it's at uh emerson like i didn't i didn't care two shits about like half of the score and then we did it i was like oh this score fucking slams um yeah. so but um well that wasn't a sentence so is this is sweet charity specifically this production something that like has a sort of maintained throughout your life or is it something that kind of, as you said, like pops up with Fosse Verdon making your Broadway debut at the Al Hirschfeld, doing Sweet Charity at college? I think more so that um, it's 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 evolved. I think mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and I've learned more about mm-hmm. it, I've learned more about the industry, more about um, you know what all went into Sweet Charity, mm-hmm. the very beginning. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was definitely very reminiscent. Like when I was at the Hirschfeld, I just was like, I'm so lucky to be here. This is like amazing. Yeah. And to just know that like, you know, I had been standing outside that stage door, just like hoping that it would all come true. And then mm-hmm. it did. And it just was like, yeah, very full circle. But yeah, this, this musical keeps popping up for me. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe it's because I like relate to charity a little bit or I don't know, just it's, it's interesting how it can evolve over time. Yeah. Would you say, so, so you, you relate to charity. What are the elements of charity that you relate most to in a way that makes you go like, yeah, I'm a total charity. And in ways that make you go, oh God, I'm kind of a charity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, she's kind of quirky. Like, she's kind of just, like... She's so quirky. She also just says sort of what's on her mind, like, right then and there, which I admire. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, but she's a little damaged. Like, she's a little... She's She's been hurt, and she's she's got a dark side to her. Um, so maybe that's the side that I'm like, well, maybe I am a charity sometimes. Yeah. But you she know? has... I mean, again, like, she is someone who... But her so optimism... Much- I admire. Yeah, her optimism. She is someone who, like, so much shit has happened to. Like, just constantly. Yeah. Uh, she. Uh, it's hard to. Ah, sorry. I. I don't want to speak for anybody. I can only speak for myself. But <laughs> I've always felt like she's sort of a complicated protagonist, and mm-hmm. especially like as a female figure in musicals, because she is very. Uh, she makes up her own mind. Like she's not really swayed by anybody else, but what's, and that's something to admire, but sort of like the downfall of charity is that she always kind of like, she attaches herself to always sort of like the wrong wagon. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, she, she commits to it. She wants to speak her. Yeah. She wants to speak her mind. She wants, but she commits to sometimes goes down the wrong path. Yeah. Cause she's so committed and she's Mm -hmm. so, you know, balls to the wall in that sense. Yeah. But it does always end up great. 
Yeah, because I think that optimism you talk about, like, it's the kind of optimism where it's not uh, an acknowledgement of the bad in the world and, and going like, oh, yeah, I know some people suck, but like, most people are fine. Or like, it'll be fine for me. It's kind of this optimism of everyone's good in some way. So like, it doesn't really matter who I, you know, attach myself to because we'll bring the best out of each other anyway. I think that's where I am. I can find myself being a charity in the sense where I'm like, dang it, don't be such a charity. Because because there is this element of like needing to build up a thick, thicker skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of like, I am a very trusting individual, mm-hmm. but to what extent is that, you know, yeah. does that become a problem um, in the end? I mean, her, how many minutes know? into recording this podcast did you start to regret it? That's what I ask you. Well, we won't go into that. But, uh. <laughs> I'm the Philadelphia Orchestra. I'm a modern jazz quartet. I'm the band from Macy's Big Parade, a wild Count Basie blast. I'm the bells of St. Peter's in Rome. I'm tissue paper on a comb. And all... But I do admire her sort of... Um her persistency because with with every time she gets kicked she does kind of get back up again and i mean that's always sort of been the theme of the show like it's even at the end no matter how they rewrite it the theme is always like no matter what like she'll keep going and and attack she each time she goes back out into the world it's with the same vigor with which it was beforehand nothing is nothing diminishes her and that i think is super admirable yeah yes i mean I might have gotten a BFA musical theater, but it might as well have been in psychology because, like, I can okay. read bitches for filth as long as they're fictional. Gosh, remind me to come to you next time I need a therapy session. Oh, girl, the no- I've had so many talks with friends, and then afterwards I'm like, so that'll be $2,000. Yeah, you're like, I need to be paid for this. So when you finally saw the movie and you saw mm-hmm. these da- these Bob Fosse dances that are super iconic to the point that, like, Beyonce has stolen them. Like we're right. yes. Um, for anyone who doesn't know this, watch the go on YouTube, find Rich Man's Fruit from Street from Sweet Charity, the Bob Fosse version. Then watch the music video for Get Me Bodied. It is, I don't. I'm not going to say she ripped it off. Like it is very meant. It's very much meant to be an homage. But like so many shots, the style, a lot of the dances, like it is that. Um, so it's very iconic. So you see the movie, you see these iconic dances. How does that change your opinion of the show you had just seen? Did it make you appreciate it in a new way? Did it, what, what did it do? I think it made me appreciate it in a new way, specifically because I was just like learning more about Bob Fosse choreography as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in watching, you know, Shirley MacLaine, um, oh. I am somebody who like, I grew up dancing, right? But I was like, I'm like five two. I'm a pretty... Mm-hmm tiny lady and therefore my legs only go so high my legs only my extensions only go so far right and I um I loved watching Shirley MacLaine specifically because I you know coming from who's at that point I was looking to see versions of myself right Mm -hmm. and I was like I think I can do that or I you know so I think I saw this like new version of of Sweet Charity where I just um, like it's his choreography made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I could do that maybe. And just watching Shirley MacLaine and the way she used her body and the way that like um, the three women danced together and it was so energetic. And so um, almost like let it be ugly when it's ugly and let it be beautiful when it's beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I, I was exploring that further after having seen it on Broadway. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's Bob Fosse is um, the king of minimalism. It's it's um, images that kind of get ingrained in you and and moving. Well, and even the smallest there. movement mm-hmm. can hold so much more meaning than than meets the eye. I guess. Oh, oh absolutely. There's a wonderful book that I recommend. It's not about tricks. You no, know, it's not so tricks. Much. There's there's yeah. there's there's, uh, there's character behind it. Exactly. There's a book that I recommend to everyone, you included. It's called Nothing Like a Dame. And it's a series of interviews with uh, women of the musical theater stage. Um, and it came out a couple of years ago. And so it's like interviews with 
Elaine Stritch, Angela Lansbury, Patti Lapone, Laura Benanti, Sutton Foster, Audra, um, and a couple others. And they have B.B. Newirth in there. And B.B. Newirth did the first revival of Sweet Charity back in the 80s with Debbie Allen. <clears throat> and like Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse worked on it. And she talked about how when they were staging Big Spender, which in the original staging, like they're all in a bar and they're all like posed on it. And Gwen Verdon said, the image I want you to think of is you're a broken doll. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you have to do, as an actor, have to do the work of like, how am I broken? How did I get this way? How old am I as this doll? Like, how long have I been on this shelf here? But it's that kind of imagery that really kind of gives that song and that staging its, its edge. Right. Uh, and it didn't have to be about not that everything's like this and there's a time and a place, but like it didn't have to be about tricks. It wasn't about spectacle even in certain mm -hmm. parts. It was about the like human like condition. Yeah. It starts with the human condition and and then it manifests into the dance that it is. Right. And if, yes. And if like things can sort of seem like tricks, they aren't actually because they come from a very organic place from character and plot. Right. Um, which is not which, always the case with uh, some dances. Sometimes you watch a dance number and you're like, well, that's impressive, but I don't know why this 50-year-old um, working class father of seven was able to do a tour jeté and, <laughs> and, then, and then cooter slammed it. Like he says to his child, he's like, times are hard and I'm old. And then he cooter slams. And it's like, what? Right. How, is, right. how, how did the two things work? So we alluded to it earlier, but we're bringing it up now. You have done Sweet Charity. Yes. yes. Since, <laughs> since doing it, uh, in, in, in that sense, uh, since seeing it on the Broadway. And in fact, so we, we came into this episode, usually I ask my guest what their obsession is beforehand so I can like do my own little bit of like brushing up on shit. Uh, on the off chance of like, I'm not as familiar with it as they are. But I didn't do that with Lauren. And in fact, she ended up telling me her obsession right before we recorded. And when she said, I'm talking about Sweet Charity, for a minute I thought, oh, the production you did? That's like, <laughs> you're gonna talk about that as your obsession? Like, okay, that's pretty niche, but fine. And then I realized she meant Broadway. But um, yes, your junior year of college, <laughs> you do Sweet Charity, the musical at Emerson, the college. I sure uh, do. And it is a student production, as we talked about before. Yes. So it is, you know, it's a little bit pared down. We mm -hmm. don't have necessarily a lot of, lot of the resources we would prefer to have if it if, were a full situation. Yes, if it were a main stage production. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus, like, so I do, so, okay. I know the story of how it was supposed to be Chicago, and in true Emerson College fashion, they didn't actually apply for the rights before in they, yeah, yes. in time and before they announced it. So like everything was cast, everything was announced. And then Emerson went, oh, sorry, we can't get the rights. Here's Sweet Charity instead. Exactly. Which, you know, honestly, for me, I would have been happy with either one, but I was like, yes, I love Sweet Charity. Yeah. Like um, Laura Chapman was the only one who was like, yeah, upgrade. And everyone else was like, fuck you, Lauren. <laughs> um no but uh I actually just spoke to Carly yesterday and she played charity it was like amazing but we were reminiscing about how um Emerson doesn't really have a, a huge budget in their student productions for a wig situation yeah um or costumes to be fair uh, so it yeah. really relies on the director or or the you know the people working on the student production to like sort of just like pull it together and we were reminiscing just yesterday, truly, about our, um, we all had different color, like, neon uh, short bob wigs with bangs. Yes. Um, and all then of you, us. And you were all in black leotards with we skirts, all in I remember. Black leotards with skirts. Yes. yes. Um, which, I mean, honestly, I wasn't mad at. I thought it was a very interesting choice. It was a way of kind of, like, distinguishing everyone without going 
for broke with costumes. Well, and truly, Carly has hot pink hair now, and it looks amazing on her. And she was like, "This is truly a product of having to wear a hot pink wig in Sweet Charity in college." And listen, so maybe I need to be dyeing my hair like <laughs> maybe. bright yellow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, wait, I'm sorry, is it not bright yellow right now? Okay. <laughs> okay, but we we, j- we jest, but you know they did Sweet Charity off Broadway with Sutton Foster like a few years ago, and the whole thing with that production was like her charity was constantly changing wigs. That's amazing. Um, I didn't get to see that, but I would have loved to. Have seen I mean, that. I didn't see it, but I saw it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave um, it at that. <laughs> I mean, how would one ever do that? Um, yeah. But, I'm just saying, like, maybe maybe the director of that production came to Emerson College and saw Your Sweet Charity, and she was like, listen, I don't know if I love the rolly chairs, but I love the wigs, so I'm going to keep <laughs> I'm gonna keep that idea. Um, it was definitely pared down. Like, it was definitely, like, a minimalist production. It's really the way, though, that you have to do an Emerson student production because... Exactly. When we, I mean, I remember I assisted on The Wiz, and wait, were you in that? I was a yellow brick road. I, okay. So Fulty, I just, I brought that up without even remembering that you were in it. And then but like- also I, I don't, know. don't know why, I don't know why I was in it. I just think they needed more people. Um, I mean, but there's it was oppor- fun. I mean, at Emerson, any opportunity to perform is considered good at the, at the beginning. And you won't know, you don't know what it's going to turn into uh, when you audition, which is, I'm not trying to throw the whiz under the bus. It's just that- no. Um, no. The Wiz was a very, very big production for a student, for like student standards. But when you try to go for like spectacle on what's essentially a shoestring budget, like $10,000 is a lot for student production, but it's not really a lot when you think about it. Right. So like you spend $2,000 on like costumes and sets and it's like still kind of like cardboard and metal and like cloth. Well, and then what happened was actually in that particular production, the entire basement flooded in the uh, auditorium that we were in during the show. And there was like three feet of water. I remember that. Uh, (laughs) I didn't have to deal with any of it because I was on the production team. So I was out (laughs) in the front of the theater. But I remember because that was that production inspired me when I was when I was proposing carousel for the next year because I was I was the assistant director everybody I did not call the shots on this production of the Wiz, but I was like I like I don't want to spend ten thousand dollars and have it look like two hundred dollars I'd rather spend a thousand dollars and have everyone go oh wow that was only a thousand dollars uh so like carousel and sweet charity it was a lot of uh actor cubes and uh chairs and our 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 carousel was a giant uh beach umbrella with the canvas taken off that is theatrical innovation for you bitches. okay it's innovation it is innovation uh just it's like very Bob organic Fox. it's super organic innovation it just comes from the human connection exactly human connection story-based character-based it's not a <laughs> trick it's just you 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 go deep with the text and you find what's there um, just like Bob Fosse did, which brings us back <laughs> to Sweet Charity. So they, yes. announce, they announce it's no longer Chicago. They say it's Sweet Charity. Were you too thrown by the change to make the connection to like Christina Applegate at that moment? Or were you like, oh, fun. Like, I actually love this show. And this was one of my first Broadway musicals. So it's like kind of weirdly full circle. Honestly, I think I was thrown at the uh-huh. time. But I love that they were like toying between two Bob Fosse shows. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting to me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, not to say that they're interchangeable, but it sort of shows uh, where you're- They directing. wanted that vibe. They yeah, were that's, like, the, that's the mm-hmm. feeling they were going for. You played Nikki, yes? No. Hel- Helene. Helene, you played Helene. So, which, so, Helene is the check your hat, sir, check your coat, sir. Check that's, your pants. Check your pants. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> so, okay. What Was there a moment when you- we're in rehearsals where like you actually were able to enjoy the idea of doing sweet charity. Like you were no longer thrown about not doing Chicago anymore. And you were like doing, you were rehearsing numbers and whatnot. Like, was there a song or a scene that made you go like, okay, like I'm actually kind of enjoying this a bit. I think it was the, um, <clears throat> baby dream your dream. Ah, yes. Close. Cause it just was so fun. I remember it was just the three of us on stage and it was just like, 
Yeah, it took me back to that vision of seeing those three women on stage just like fully nailing it and just standing in their like gorge womanly power and singing the song about the dreams that they had for themselves and their friends. And yeah, I think that was the the moment where I was like, this is awesome. What happens in that scene again? Remind me. Um, <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> no, they basically... Where is it? It's in Act Two. Yes. So Char- so Charity, Charity has who, already who, met. If you don't know the show, she's not a prostitute Victor. in the musical. She's a taxi dancer, which means um, men would pay her and her coworkers to dance with them. Right. Um, and so Helene and Nikki are her coworkers. But so it's Correct. Act Two. She's engaged at this point. She's engaged to Oscar to Dennis O'Hare. Uh, I think that she is. Okay. I'm double checking my sources right here. It star- Act two starts with Rhythm of Life, which you're like, what is happening? But also it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's a complete shift in that, tone. I mean, I, not, to, not to be that bitch and we'll totally cut it out, but you know exactly what it's like for that to happen in a musical now, don't you? Take a dive and swim to daddy. Take a dive and swim to daddy. Take a dive and swim to daddy. Swim, swim, swim. happens is rhythm of life happens and then baby dreaming dream happens like right after that and actually Uh at this point we've seen these three women do like amazing dance numbers together incredible bob fossey choreography and like this moment ends up being like one of the quieter human condition moments like we were Mm -hmm. talking about where just the three of them are like on stage having this moment about what like what could be and how dreams could come true and she's she's engaged at this point or about to be engaged at this point and i think her friends are just sort of like relishing in the support for her and that like it can come true and mm-hmm. and your dreams can come true and so can mine and here's what they may may look like if that makes sense no it does sorry i'm also looking at for it um because i'm on i'm on the wikipedia page for the musical not the movie and they are not listing it uh so yeah, it's interesting that I mean we may need I need may need to do a little bit more research on this, but I wonder if it was like in and out of different versions for a reason. It might have been. In fact, I I believe this is full tea speaking of Christina Applegate. <laughs> so you know that um the Helene and the Nikki from that show were replaced out of town. Um and in fact the song had been cut at one point and I don't know if it if they brought it back in for the revival or not. But the, uh, my understanding was that the actresses who were playing those roles were just killing it so much with that song. And the producers who are the Weisslers were thinking to themselves, well, this is Christina Applegate in Sweet Charity, not these two Broadway veterans in Sweet Charity. So like, we'll just cut the song. And then like, they're doing it out of town. And I'm like, well, that doesn't work. And then they're like, well, we'll bring, put the song back in, but we'll recast the actresses. Then they recast the actresses and like all it really took was for them to bring it to Broadway and have Christina Applegate like just like be more comfortable with the material and to really shine. But I guess they were they were so panicked out of time like this we can't have you know we can't have this which just like well and I know that I mean for Frozen when we we had numbers that were cut put back in cut but put back in I mean our opening number was redone like I think six different times. So and I can understand what that might be like, you know, where I they're mean, like, all of a sudden the musical does not work without this song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lauren, you might've like been in an out of town tryout, but I've read about them. So I think I know about them a little bit more than you do. So Honestly, with your research and your thoroughness, you probably do. No, I mean, like you can live. Take every- the compliment, Matt. It's good. Lauren, you compliment me like once every five years. I don't know when it's actually oh. happening. Um, <laughs> it's happening um no i hear you but like that's sort of um what's always sort of scary about out of towns i feel like is that like you do something in a rehearsal room and it's working and you're like it with with the eyes that you have it's working but also you you just get like so wrapped up in it that you almost can't really tell what's working anymore and then you put it out in front of fresh eyes and things that you thought were working weren't clicking and you're like oh my god the whole thing sucks but sometimes it's like it just didn't click with that audience that night that like the joke might click the next night um so it really is like 
I feel like out of town tryouts are kind of like a free for all. It's like, you, it's, yeah, it's like try everything, just try everything. Yeah, it's truly like throwing spaghetti at the wall and and mm-hmm. seeing what sticks, and then like you know throwing away the spaghetti, but then maybe digging it back out of the trash if you have to. Yeah, it's. I'm very. I am very. <laughs> it's a really guys, good analogy. Yeah. Well, no, that's honestly, it's the perfect analogy. I was gonna say you should be very grateful that I kind of stopped performing because if I were in Frozen with you out of town, I would have gotten such a kick out of coming in one day and being like, guys, full tea, they're turning it into a 90 minute intermissionless show. And like, I just seem like- Don't joke. You know, actually, uh, unfortunately, before Frozen closed down, we actually went back into tech for weeks to make changes to the show. And so while, you know, there's that uh, age old saying that like, once a show is frozen, it can't be changed. Mm-hmm. Well, Frozen was never frozen. Nah, but uh, nah. um, <laughs> should I say it again louder? For, did you hear it the first time? Say it now with a Brooklyn <laughs> accent. Frozen was never frozen. No, because uh, then it would be Newsies. <laughs> which we also love newsies we love newsies. we have we've had quite a few newsies on this pod as well anywho um let's get back to sweet charity and wrap this shit up uh so you do it at emerson college <laughs> what's your main takeaway from the show doing it as opposed to seeing it um wow that dancing and singing at the same time is really hard <laughs> <laughs> What? Yes, Helen. Yes, Helen. Water, water, Helen. Water, Helene. Water, Helene. Oh my God. She's. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something really, really profound. And, but I am saying something really profound because <laughs> truly they do not tell you. They don't tell you how hard it is. Like, you, you know, we joke that like you should go on a treadmill and like sing, like Belcher, you know, face off. Yeah. Face off. And and that is actually true yeah. because then in Frozen, I was just like, I was like, I can dance and sing at the same time for sure. But no. really it's a task Yeah, for sure. Well, can you sing and dance at the same time? Well, on a uh, turntable, that's, that's, that's the other thing. For two numbers only, I can. I was so angry that they didn't use that turntable more. I was so excited when I saw it on that stage. And then I had to wait till the finale to see it again. Yeah, but it's magnificent, isn't it? It's magnificent when it happens. It's great. It was so, I, I was so mad. Um, but that's because I'm a sucker for a turn. But for me and my vertigo, it's probably good we didn't have to use it more. Yes, Lauren, M- Michael Grandage specifically didn't use the turntable more because he's like, Patty Mirren's all like, can we use the turntable 9,000 times? And Michael's like, Lauren has, ver-, sorry, he goes, Lauren has vertigo, so we can't. <laughs> high maintenance <laughs> high maintenance that's going to be the name of your next musical oh good are you writing it sure i'll write something for you called right. high maintenance. i'm available yeah who isn't available right now <laughs> patty lapone is available right now i could i could get her if i wanted to i'd say patty Although, lapone. <laughs> no she's very busy i mean did you see hollywood that was very fierce i didn't see hollywood um we don't have to get into it, but I am not a gay who's for Ryan Murphy. Um, and you and you did not sign up to like have this discussion, so we won't get into it. But I am not okay, for I, him. I didn't co-sign. I did not co-sign. No, you did not. So we won't go into it. But like just I, I decided not to watch it. Um, and people have raved about it. But those are some people who've also raved about other things that I have said no to. Um, but never fear. Company is is on its way back and we will all be right with the world and with patty lapone once again absolutely I, I truthfully i need to see matt doyle sing i'm not getting married i just need it in my life in my heart i mean you're gonna get it girl you're Can't gonna, wait. listen you waited at the stage door for sweet charity you're the one non-act girl who booked broadway like clearly you you put it into the universe it shall manifest so it's gonna happen I'm manifesting it perfect yes. Um, Lauren, now that we, let's wrap up on Sweet Charity. What are some of your takeaways from the show now that you're older and wiser and more seasoned in the Broadway community? Like what are, what, when you think about the show now, Mm -hmm. how do you view it? 
Um, I view it more like globally versus uh, just just as as we were talking about like all the different versions of sweet charity and now what we know about Fosse Verdon and we took away what we took away from that. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do more research on the Sutton Foster version, which I'm really sad that I missed. Um, but all that like to say like where it fits in sort of like in this scheme of musical theater and in the canon mm-hmm. um, is really impressive to me. And just, um, I think it's something that each time it kind of comes back, there's like a new take on it and there's something that sticks out um, a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see it in another 10 years. Like it's one of those musicals that sort of is timeless. And, um, you know, as the world is changing, I'd be interested to see how like, again, like in the next 10 years, like how, how that might change. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think what I am missing from musicals today um, and what we, love about revivals right is that we're missing those that like good old-fashioned like musical theater company number mm-hmm. you know um where it's just flashy and it's just you sit on the edge of your seat and you're like i'm watching the fruit right now and this is just this is like musical theater mm-hmm. at its best um so i think like in the future like i'm hoping for more of that too you know yeah. um but yeah, just how it fits in and like the canon and like how important Bob Fosse still is and like, mm-hmm. st- you know, in the like course of musical theater as a whole. If you had your way, is this a role you would want to play at some point in your life? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I would, I think I, I would have to like stretch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think so because I think there's a lot that, people relate to in charity mm-hmm. and the human condition and you know the where am I going of it all the where uh, am I going of it all <laughs> you know yeah um that's my thesis statement I think like yeah. nobody's Getting ever out. sure where we're going right and yeah. so I think that is timeless and there has got to be something better than this okay <laughs> and if you and listen if you tune into the rhythm of life then baby you can dream your dream That's right. And we will use all of the (laughs) names of the songs in one sentence. Uh, Ready, go. (laughs) Hey, Big Spender, I'm a brass band. (laughs) There, there we go. Right over there. I love it. I love it too. Uh, Lauren, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really look forward to listening to this audio. I hope that it it's all good because if it's not, it's going to be such a nightmare. Well, you know Uh, what? I have a lot going on. As as I'm very busy. <laughs> I've got Patty Lapone to call. Um, oh, listen, listen, girl, listen. Okay, uh, where can people find you on social media? I am at Lauren Nicole Chapman on Instagram, and that is where I am mostly at these days. Don't I don't have- do the Twitter. I don't do the tweeting. I, I like to I like to honestly just retweet anything Patty Murin says because sure. she's very funny. Um, and, and as I anyone who's along, listened as anyone who's listened to this episode can tell, you're not verbal really. So <laughs> clearly, <laughs> <laughs> you have do you have TikTok? I do not have TikTok, but I will say that I watch a lot of TikTok pet videos before falling asleep. <laughs> You laugh, but specifically, I want to see the animals doing weird things on TikTok. I don't laugh out of judgment. I laugh because that's the most on-brand thing you've said today. I'm just trying to stay, stay, uh, you know, authentic. That's truly charity at her core. Charity would be all over TikTok if she were, you know, charitying today. Um, Right. So Instagram, uh, no Facebook. People should not come find you on Facebook. That is no Facebook. That's for that's for friends and family. You have a website. I do. It's laurenicolechapman.com. Do you do uh, coachings like all of the Broadway does? You know what? I am starting to do coachings. So um, if you are interested, mm-hmm. find my email on my website. Yeah. Um, I would be, I would love to coach you. And, and guys, like I'm not going to, I'm not one to jump up the asses of our guests, but I will tell you like Laura Nicole Chapman is probably one of the healthiest singing techniques I know. So like you'd be a fool not to want to get some of that advice. Oh, thanks, Matt. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> as someone with like, as, as somebody with one of the unhealthiest singing techniques, I can, <laughs> I can recognize a golden sparrow for a golden sparrow. I love it. 
Lauren, we close out every episode with a nice big Broadway diva. Uh, who would you like to have close us out today? I think in the in the spirit of golden vocal technique, mm-hmm. I'm going to say Casey Levy. Okay. Uh, yeah. We're going to stick with the Frozen fam on this one. And me, uh, she's, she's got the golden pipes of do an angel. Let me yes. make sure, let me make sure that I haven't uh, had her already just to make sure we've had, this is, I think our 81st episode. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, yeah. I don't think we've had her. Fantastic. Uh, I have a friend who calls her a vocal, uh, a vocal technician. Yes, she is. Um, and she is one of the most um, consistent performers I think I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing. The moment she sang, do you want to build a snowman? I knew I was in good hands. There you go. <laughs> yes, yes, I do want to build a snowman with you, Casey Levy. Any day, every day. Literally say when and I will do it. I could be in another state and I'll fly over or I'll walk Perfect. over safer. All right. So thank you, Lauren, for having uh, the time to spend here. I was going to say for having us. That's not the right way to say that. Thank uh, you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me, Matt Koplik, on Instagram, at Matt Koplik. Uh, please give us a nice rating, a nice uh, review. It helps with, with the algorithm. Actually, I will take this moment to read our latest review. It's very short, but it's very sweet. It's a five-star review uh, from 25 and Trying. Oh, girl, I love that name. Uh And the title is Listen with a lot of exclamation points. A must listen for theater nerds. As a tech nerd, I especially loved the mention of production. Uh, I'm assuming she means like when I talk about turntables. Uh, I'm also assuming that it's a she. Uh, I don't know who it is. Anywho, thank you for the review. Uh, This is Broadway Breakdown. This is Casey Levy. And take it away, Casey. Bye. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.